Welcome everyone, it's Russ Scalzo with Chronicles of the End Times. So glad to be with you today as we look at chapter 7 of the book of Revelation. And this chapter is an interesting chapter in a lot of different ways. Uh, one of those ways is, as many of you may know, the Jehovah's Witnesses teach that only 144,000 people will actually go to heaven. And that God chooses these 144,000 individuals and that the process actually began with the first century Christians. So anybody that joins the Jehovah's Witnesses after that uh, will spend eternity on the earth. All the other people on the earth will be destroyed at the War of Armageddon on the earth. And this would also include any Jehovah's Witnesses who have been disfellowshipped or otherwise unfaithful to the Watchtower. So we know that that's not true because... We know that the 144,000, 12,000 from each tribe are Jews. God lays that out pretty clearly. So let's take a look at Revelation chapter 7. We'll start with verse 1. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or the sea or any tree. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given the power to harm the land and the sea. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put the seal on the foreheads of the servants of God. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. So let's stop there and take a look at these verses. Now, these four angels are told not to harm the earth until the seal of God is placed on the servants of God. So nothing is to move. Nothing is to be accomplished. There's, a, there's like a moment here where God has given them in instructions. And who are these four spirits or four angels? Um, we see a reference uh, that is very similar to this in Zechariah chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. He says, I asked the angel who was speaking to me, what are these, my Lord? And the angel answered me, these are the four spirits of heaven going out from standing in the presence of the Lord of the whole world. And so well, there's a reference here in the Old Testament to these angels, these spirits that are controlling the four winds, east and west, north and south. And God says, look, you can't do anything until we seal the servants of our God. Which makes an interesting scenario here. Think about it. And we're going to seal 12,000 from each tribe. Now, we've looked before and we know that uh, the 12,000 number may be literal or it may mean completeness because that's what the number 12 is. It's the 12 tribes of Israel, 12,000 from each tribe. And I believe that it means to complete Israel because in Romans chapter 11, uh, verses 25 through 27, Paul talks about this. And he's talking to the Gentiles and he's saying, look, you know, you're getting a little high minded here and starting to talk down your Jewish brethren or the unsaved Jews. And you need to get perspective. So he says, I do not want you to become ignorant of this mystery, brothers so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced the hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. 
and all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the Deliverer will come from Zion, and he will turn the godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. And so there is a plan that God has to save Israel. It's always been in his heart. God doesn't break his promises. He doesn't move away from his promises. He doesn't change his mind. He has a plan to bring Israel back to him. And so we see this scenario where now these Jews, okay, these Israelites are going to be sealed and they're going to have a seal put on their forehead, which is going to indicate that they are servants of God. And these 144,000, or this complete number that God has chosen, is going to be exempt from harm. Uh, He says in chapter 9, verse 4, he says, They were told not to harm the grass or the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. So it appears at this point in time that these are sealed. And these are the only ones sealed. Which brings people to believe, well, it couldn't possibly just be Israel. It's got to be figurative. It's got to be the church. It's got to be all the servants of God. And you would think that common sense would kind of dictate that. But we have to lay that aside in the sense that God particularly goes on and says 12,000 from each tribe. So we can't just negate that. We can't just set that aside because maybe it doesn't make sense to us or it doesn't fit our theology. And that is a problem with interpreting Bible prophecy many times. We can't make it fit our theology. Let the word speak freely from Genesis to Revelation. Before we make any bold statements about this or that or the other thing, people need to read the entire book of the Bible. All 66 chapters, they all have some significance to do with the last days. There's so much to be learned and retrieved from even the oldest scriptures. And so we know now, and we can have to say that these 12,000 from each tribe are all from Israel. They're all Jews. And this 144,000 is the complete number, whatever that is going to be in God's mind. It's it's the complete number of all the tribes. And they're sealed. And this seal is the seal of God. Now, it's interesting that uh, as we look down through uh, the book of Revelation, we know it's a very popular and well-known fact of the mark of the beast and that the mark shall be on their foreheads and on their right hand, on their right wrist. And these are places that God has designated for Israel to wear the word of God around their foreheads, on their right hand, to remind them of the laws of God and to follow God. And here we see the seal of God being put on these individuals. Okay, And so what does the Antichrist do but he... He seals the foreheads and he seals the right hands with his own seal. God and the devil, so opposite. So everything that the devil does, he, he mocks what God does. It's, a, it's amazing if you really look at it. Everything that God does, God gave us music 
you know, and he gave us the ability to create music in all types of genres. And there's not just one genre that's holy and others aren't. But God's given that gift to people. But how we use that gift is another thing. It's another complete question. So the enemy likes to use it. He perverts it. Just like sex, God gave sex to men and women. You know, the devil didn't come up with that. You know, I I remember some guy I used to work with used to say that, you know, sex was the thing that happened in the Garden of Eden, and that's why uh, God got rid of them. It was just, just, you know, people are just, I mean, I don't know. I'm going to hold my tongue here a little bit, but I mean, uh, bizarre. Let's just use that word, okay? They're just bizarre. God created all this stuff. Devil doesn't create, okay? The devil perverts. And these are just two examples that I gave you. I'm sure you could think of many. Uh, so God creates, the devil perverts these things. He perverts music, he perverts sex, all the creative juices, all the creative ideas and the gifts that God has given man. You know, how do we use those gifts? You know, we use it for wholesome things, to glorify God, to help people, uh, or do we use them for our own advantage just to get money and to do whatever we need to do to get it so then we make partners with the devil and we begin to pervert stuff because our intentions are for ourselves to get everything we can so down through this study we're going to see how the devil continues to pervert everything that god has given one of the very interesting things is the seal now god puts the seal on the servants of god okay and this seal uh, is a seal of God probably goes on their forehead. And we see that in the Old Testament, back in Exodus, that God says, it will be a sign on your hand and a symbol on your forehead that the Lord has brought us out of Egypt with his mighty hand. So here God's telling them way back in Exodus chapter 13, that I want you to, you know, wear the word of God on your hand and a symbol on your forehead. It's a symbol of, of, of the Word of God on your forehead. So what the Antichrist does, and we see down in the next uh, you know chapters as we move forward, that he perverts that. He puts the mark of the beast on their, on their right hand, and he puts it on their forehead. Now here's an interesting thought. If in fact these are all sealed, and the ones that are sealed are those of Israel, and everybody else is going to suffer, the wrath of God, and feel the punishment of God, then what happens to the rest of the Gentiles? I mean, has the fullness of the Gentiles come in? It's interesting. Remember Paul said, Israel has experienced a hardening in part until when? Until the number of the Gentiles has come in. What number? The full number of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. It's just a thought, and I ask you to think about it, because it's clear that God is sealing these particular people. It's clear that God went out of his way, the Holy Spirit went out of his way, to list the 12 tribes. And we also see that out of the 12 tribes, Dan is missing, and the tribe of Ephraim, and they're not mentioned in this first uh, listing. And this may be due to uh, the idolatrous practices uh, of the two tribes, you know, because they both uh, created their own uh, temple, you know, they created their own place of worship, 
they pulled the ten tribes away from Judah and away from Jerusalem and had them uh, worshiping uh, idols. And so, you know, Dan's got a bad reputation when it comes to that. It could be that that's one of the reasons. And the other reason could be that in Genesis chapter 49, where Jacob is blessing all his children and his grandchildren, he says that Dan will be a serpent by the roadside, a viper along the path that bites at the horse's heel so that the rider tumbles backwards. So Dan really doesn't have a lot of good history here. So is, is there is a chance that that's the reason why he's not listed in this list. He gets listed later in the book of Revelation, which only shows God's forgiveness and his complete love for, for Dan and for that tribe, even though what they've done. So he incorporates them back in. It's also interesting to note that many theologians and students of prophecy believe that the Antichrist is going to come from the tribe of Dan. So it's just worthwhile to mention that this might be one of the reasons that he's not listed here as uh, those who have been sealed and protected. Because we know that the Antichrist will come out of one of the tribes of Israel. I mean, if he's going to be the anti-Messiah, you know, he can't come from the Gentiles. You know, he may have some uh, mix, there may be some mix in there, but he's going to have to have some Jewish blood in him. He's going to have to come through one of the tribes, and many believe that Dan will be the tribe in which he will rise from. So now we look at this great multitude. Let's look at verse 9. He says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes, and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? And I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over him. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat on them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Wow, what a scene. The scene indicates a tremendous harvest of souls during the tribulation. After the rapture of the church, many who were not, were not ready, who were not living for God, but knew of God or had a past experience with God, but were back into the world doing the things of the world and have lost their oil. Remember the ten virgins? You know, they were all the same. They all looked the same. They were dressed the same. They talked the same. But half of them had oil. In other words, they had an ongoing relationship. They had the Holy Spirit in their lives. 
you know, which only comes from the ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ. And five didn't. They were all taken by surprise by his coming. That's another issue that we need to look at. You can study that on your own. But see, half of them were ready for that. Even though they were taken by surprise, they had the oil. They had their ongoing relationship, vibrant, fresh relationship with God going on every single day, and the others didn't. And so those that didn't are left behind in this story that Jesus told. And here we look ahead to the book of Revelation in chapter 7, and we see that these souls, this tremendous harvest of souls, specifically came out of the Great Tribulation, during the Tribulation period. This is not like, okay, these are all the souls that God has saved, you know, from the time of the cross on forward. No, it's specific. These are all come out. And who are they? They are from every tribe and nation. You know, there's no particular country that's blessed over another. God looking at the whole world, Christ died for the whole world. And so these people, this massive amount of people, that John couldn't say, he couldn't even begin to number them, which are so vast. And the angel tells him, these came out of the Great Tribulation, and they came from every nation and every people. And he sees that they're holding palm branches in their hand. What a scene. It's a sign of, of festive joy and praise. They're waving these palm branches, too, too numerous to count, just like a wave on the sea, worshiping the Lord. Imagine how that you know, if you've been in a big group worshiping God, just imagine this group. You know, you've probably never been in a group this big. And he goes on to tell them that they're not going to hunger or thirst anymore. They're not going to feel the heat of the day. In other words, God is going to protect them. God's going to be right with them. He's going to lead them of living waters, fountains of living. They're going to live forever. They're going to be taken care of. Every one of their needs is going to be taken care of. And he's going to wipe away all the tears from their eyes. Their suffering is over now. In Isaiah chapter 60, verse 20, it says, Your sun will never set again, and your moon will never wane. The Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of sorrow will end. What a prophetic utterance by Isaiah. And so we see that now the harvest of the earth is near complete. We had the sealing, the seals of the tribes of Israel, they were sealed, so none of these plagues could bother them anymore. And they're now going to be witnesses for Christ throughout the world. God always has a witness out there. And so I would like to look at another reference in Isaiah before we end this uh, study on this particular chapter. It's Isaiah chapter 4, very short chapter. It's got six verses in it. And that day the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land will be the pride and the glory of the survivors in Israel. Those who are left in Zion, who remain in Jerusalem, will be called holy, all who are recorded among the living in Jerusalem. The Lord will wash away the filth of the women of Zion, and he will cleanse the bloodstains from Jerusalem by a spirit of judgment and a spirit of fire. Then the Lord will create over all of Mount Zion and over all who assemble there, a cloud of smoke by day and a glow of flaming fire by night. Over all the glory will be a canopy, and it will be a shelter and a shade from the heat of day and a refuge and a hiding place from the storm and the rain. Wow. The book of Isaiah is just, it's like a little Bible, you know, many say. 
You know, it's it's just amazing, an amazing book. And so here we see another prophecy of how God is going to wash away the sins of Israel, restore them, and he's going to create this canopy. You remember when they came out of Egypt and that great pillar, right? They had the pillar of smoke by day and the glow of the flaming fire by night. And here we see it again. And God's going to create this over Jerusalem. And this huge canopy of glory, which is going to shelter all the saints of God. It's, to me, it's just, uh, what an incredible picture. God is an awesome God. We get wrapped up in our lives, and I do the same thing. I think about, you know, the bills I have to pay, or if this is going on in my life, or someone that I love, and we, you know, they're, they're legitimate, you know, concerns, but we get wrapped up in them, and our, our lives get all wrapped up. But we need to stop, and we need to look up, and we need to see and read the Word of God, and know that God is almighty, all-powerful. Yes, He loves us, and no matter what's going on in this crazy world, like I say all the time, God is in control. Jeremiah 1, chapter 12. You're going to hear me say it a lot. God says, I watch over my word to perform it, to make sure it gets done. He is not asleep. This is not an automatic pilot. He's watching over it. He's guiding. He's moving the pieces like, a, like on a chessboard of the nations and the presidents of this world. So his word will be performed. There's no way around it. God's word will happen, just like he said. And so we're going to move on to the next chapter, chapter 8, in our next podcast. I hope you're enjoying these. I hope you're getting something from it. And there's so much that you can learn. You're not going to learn it, you know, uh, and we're not going to be able to cover it in, in 20 minutes or 23 or 24 minutes in a podcast. But it's just to get your your uh, creative juices flowing, get your interest up, that you'll dig into the Word of God and you'll find other great treasures as well. This is Russ Galzo, Chronicles of the End Times. God bless. Until next time.